welcome to the Friends and Family Guide to Speech Therapy and ADHD Coaching. I'm your host, Tracia Wong. I'm a speech language pathologist and the owner of Illuminate Family Workshop, a private practice in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm thrilled to bring you this podcast where we explore the power of communication and connection and how language plays a crucial role in both. In each episode, we'll dive into topics related to child development and language processing and how your student might benefit from speech therapy or coaching. The mission of this podcast is to shine light on the variety of ways to build up our students' confidence through language and ways to build resilience so they can be the fullest and most aligned expression of themselves in today's world. You'll get to hear about ways to support them at home and at school. We'll talk about how we can celebrate and honor a child's unique personalities while highlighting their strengths and promoting a growth mindset to do hard things. I'm here to share my expertise and experience with you, but I also want to hear from you. So if you've got a specific topic or question you'd like me to cover, send me a DM on Instagram at Illuminate Family Workshop. Let's jump into today's episode. Have you ever come across a student who's a master storyteller, can chat up a storm with impressive vocabulary, but hits a roadblock when it's time to put pen to paper? You know, the one with the run-on sentences that seem to go on for the whole page in handwriting that's a little bit more like a scribble. It's like they're sprinting through their thoughts and leaving details in the dust. If you've nodded along, stick around. We're diving into the world of written expression today. This episode is a treasure trove of insight for elementary school parents, middle school parents, teachers, and fellow therapists. By the end of this episode, I want you to have a profile in your mind of a student with written written expression challenges. These students can often fly under the radar. So I'm going to equip you with some knowledge that you can keep in your pocket and you can be the one who raises an eyebrow, raises a hand when they start he- when you start hearing some concerns and you can start asking more questions and bring the right people to the table so this student can get the best support possible. Now I want you to think about all the ways that you've expressed yourself this week through written expression. In your emails, journaling, work reports, content on social media, and even those quick text messages. Now I want you to think of all the ways you've connected with others by reading their written content, their text messages, their emails, their books. I want to zoom out a bit because I think we get lost in the sauce when we're talking about written expression because we're often only thinking about it from the academic lens. Let's take a second to think about this from the connection lens, from the communication lens. Written language is how we share our thoughts, engage socially, and also how we integrate and process experiences. You know when you're listening to the lyrics of a song and it feels like the songwriter took the words right out of your heart, or it feels like someone was reading their mind, your mind when they were writing these lyrics. That's the power of words right there. And not all students take the same route to getting to that level of mastery with written language. 
It's important for us to know the signs and characteristics of a student who is struggling with written language so that we can start conversations around about support and connect families with the support that they might need to boost those skills and their confidence so they can access this written language skill. Now let's ensure we're all on the same page. When I refer to a written expression disorder, I'm gonna be talking about a learning disability that involves challenges in organizing thoughts, expressing those thoughts coherently and cohesively, and this is different from handwriting. It's the ability to convey these thoughts and ideas effectively and efficiently. It's common for students with ADHD brains to also have written expression disorders. Let me contrast this with the physical process of writing handwriting. When a student demonstrates difficulty with this fine motor movement task, and when they have slow handwriting speed, awkward pencil grip, scribble-like handwriting, fatigue after short writing sessions, and and there's a ton more characteristics um, of dysgraphia, but these all fall under this category of dysgraphia. So the physical process um, is what they're having challenges with. I want to acknowledge that writing can be a laborious process for students. And these students often have difficulty with written expression as well. The best person to contact about handwriting and penmanship is going to be an occupational therapist that specializes in handwriting. Handwriting is such an involved and connected skill. It's often used as a marker for development. And there is something so valuable in going to a specialist that does handwriting all day and every day. Hey, on this podcast, I don't hold back and I'm here to share my experience with you. So I have to be honest, not every school that I've worked in has been diligent about their dysgraphia screening and intervention process. And I've worked in some schools where they were on top of it and we would see kids making progress and in other districts we would see students with poor handwriting and the team would say something along the lines of, oh, we'll teach them how to use the voice to text feature on their computer. And don't get me wrong, I love assistive technology. I teach those types of strategies all the time, but that is only going to be a band-aid for the dysgraphia and really does a disservice to the student. I point this out because I want to to share with you that no one is going to be a stronger advocate for your child than you. So don't hold back, ask all the questions, get all the information, and that's why you're here, right? Next, what I wanna do is share a story with you about a student that I once worked with when I was a school-based SLP. Let's call this student Lucas. Not his real name, of course, but this story illustrates the journey of a student struggling with written expression and one family's route to receiving support. So Lucas was a fourth grader, and he's the kind of student that I would see holding doors open for people in the morning. He was a creative and imaginative storyteller, and teachers would say he's a pleasure to have in class. However, teachers were noticing that whenever there was a writing assignment, Lucas would ask to leave the classroom or sharpen his pencil for an extended period of time or rummage through his backpack and folders for seemingly random items. 
And when Lucas did manage to write something down, there wasn't much there. The answers were short. The sentence and structures were the sentence structures were pretty basic, um, and there were noticeable mistakes in grammar and punctuation and capitalization. Sometimes, the written responses were confusing to follow. Most of the time, the written responses were confusing to follow, and his writing was not yet up to grade level. Naturally, this raised concerns for parents and teachers. At first glance, teachers figured it was more of a behavioral issue and a matter of speed and attention. And they figured since he was a social student, he was probably goofing off in class and not paying attention. So they created positive reinforcement systems and behavior management methods that implemented um, frequent check-ins to keep him on track. But here's the thing, the challenges persisted. Now I wanna ask you, Does this story sound familiar to you? Have you encountered a student like Lucas or know someone that fits this description? In Lucas's case, he had been in and out of extra help for reading and writing. um, And it was like a revolving door. He'd receive support, show improvement, and then the assistance would stop only for him to struggle again. And this cycle had been going on at his previous school So parents requested a special education evaluation to determine if Lucas would qualify for additional support. And the evaluation data revealed that Lucas had a specific learning disability in the area of writing. His sentence formation scores were below average. His story comprehension was also on the cusp of being below average as well. So we ended up being eligible to receive intervention at school, and I got to work with him on his story structure and sentence structure. And parents also started working with an SLP outside of the school, targeting written language, and between all of us supporting Lucas, he started to turn in those writing assignments, and his grades improved, and we could see his confidence around writing show up in the ways that he would, he'd really create these fantasy stories with his amazing creativity and start putting that down on paper. He was interested in writing. His grades improved and he had the tools and framework to grow his written language skills. I'll save the details about IEPs for another day because I'm sharing this story to highlight the importance of knowing the characteristics of struggling writers. Lucas's story isn't unique. Many students face similar challenges, and it's crucial to recognize the characteristics of an expressive language disorder, which often manifest as struggles with sentence structure, grammar, writing mechanics like capitalization, punctuation, and also paragraph organization. The path to support starts with understanding these challenges and also that there may be some behavioral components that we might see in attempt to cover up these characteristics. If your student sounds like Lucas, it's time to seek out an evaluation and support. 
Formal assessments and dynamic evaluations can provide a comprehensive picture of your student's needs. And one of the things that you need to do to start getting ready for this step is start collecting writing samples from your student. So just saving their homework and assignments and reaching out to their teachers about collecting writing samples and data. I love getting to analyze writing samples. I feel like a detective with a big magnifying glass when I do it. I'm looking at organization, grammar, their vocabulary use, and coherence. So don't be shy when you bring those in and also don't panic if you don't have any samples. We'll be collecting data in multiple ways anyway. Because we keep it real on this podcast, I want to address a common barrier that I often see families in. And this barrier is around this spot where they want support, they know they need support, but they also don't want to put themselves in a position for students to be, for their student to be diagnosed with a disorder or a disability. And contrary to my professional license and title, I got to be honest with you, I'm not interested in pathologizing your student. I'm not interested in labels. And in a world where we feel the need to diagnose everything and justify things for insurance companies and make sure everyone fits in a box, I am here bringing back the humanity and authenticity into this process. The way that I do evaluations is by setting an intention for creating a snapshot and profile of a student so that we can better understand them and better support them. So we're asking ourselves, what are the strategies to support them in becoming confident communicators? How does our child's speech and language skills compare to same age peers? How does your child learn best? What does your child's support team need to know to promote and encourage progress? At the beginning of any evaluation process, you need to ask yourself what the purpose of this evaluation is. Is it, deter- is it to determine eligibility for services and meet a certain set of criteria of, of standards? Is it to take inventory of skills? Is it to measure progress? Here's the thing I need you to remember. Labels don't change who your student is. It helps us better understand their learning style and how we can best support them. Human brains are naturally wired to speak, but they're not naturally wired to read and write. Thus, for most students, reading and writing needs to be explicitly taught. For many neurodiverse brains, the route to learning how to write and write effectively and efficiently is probably not going to be the same route as their neurotypical peers. And that's okay. Thank you for joining me in today's exploration of written language challenges and ways that we can spot and support struggling students. Remember, your involvement and advocacy make a significant difference. So don't hesitate to reach out for help and guidance. You're not alone on this journey and together we can help our students succeed, build confidence and express themselves. That 
that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Friends and Family Guide to Speech Therapy and ADHD Coaching. If you found this podcast helpful, please consider giving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us reach more people. Also, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family who might benefit from the information we discussed today and to continue this conversation with them. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.